I've got throat bubbles. Maybe I shouldn't have eaten that pudding before recording. Where's my jetpack? Is that Adam Sandler or is that South Park? The power of the sun in the palm of my hand. Console Crusade Podcast. The earliest podcast we have ever recorded. That's not actually true. We did do a breakfast pod one time for one of the last quarterly updates with Brennan. Anyway, EJ Olson with Nick Durheim. I have a frog in my throat. No Chris Gilly Ford today, but in his stead, Brennan Allen makes his triumphant return. Ah, thanks for still being friends with me, guys. Oh, <laughs> nothing you can do to hurt You're welcome. me. <laughs> You're stuck with me. Yeah, I don't know what Chris has going on. He's like he's got theater rehearsals, end of term, grading papers, uh, making latkes. I don't know. I don't know what he fucking does in Kentucky. Something latkes in Kentucky, <laughs> Lockies in Kentuckys. So he's not here, which is unfortunate because I feel like he had a little bit of a rant brewing in him, and uh, instead I get to absolutely bully Brennan about Alan Wake too today. So it's worked out for me uh, wonderfully. <laughs> Hey, it's fine that you have bad takes, but oh, okay. It's like the uh, the Simpsons meme with the principal. No, it's the children who no, are wrong. It's the children who are wrong. <laughs> yeah, you are kind of a principal Skinner. <laughs> if everybody else says I'm the problem, there's no way that I am in fact the problem, and I stand by it. It tracks. Oh, so game awards happened. All four of us sat through this via Discord together, expecting... I don't know what we were expecting. We had talked about what we were going to get. I joked about Mother and Spyro and... Did you jot down our predictions for trailers and stuff that we would see? I, I didn't remember to do I that. I don't think... I don't even know how much we actually talked about that. Yeah, I think the, the, the premise being the surefire and the Hail Mary, like, moonshot, one in a million... It's a bummer that Chris isn't here today because we could also have wrapped up the year-end league recap into this and about the absolute Hail Marys that both Brennan and Chris threw trying to get a shadow drop at the Game Awards. And hey, listen, we got one shadow drop and kind of a shadow drop in the God of War announcement, but we'll get there anyway. A few kind of shadow drops. Let's briefly blast through our awards. Wow, say that 10 times fast. Briefly, briefly blast. <laughs> Let us briefly. You did blast. it once. I can't do it. <laughs> We're gonna start at the bottom of our list here. Most anticipated went to Final Fantasy VII. Uh, you and Chris both got this. Hades was my answer. Didn't get this. Kind of a crapshoot. Kind of a fake award. Like, what does it matter? I mean, they're all fake awards, right? Brendan, did you play Hades? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I played a lot of Hades. You, did you get deep on it the way Chris has? Yeah, I haven't finished like all of the you know, giving the hearts to people or whatever the nectar and um, like getting all of the dialogue. But I've like, I, I more or less completed the game and, and finished like the main thing. How do you compare Hades to dead cells? Did you get into dead cells? Yes. Yeah. Um, I think I enjoyed Hades more um, in the long run. Um, I like dead cells, but it might have been a little bit too hard, maybe. I think, like, oh. I know, I know. I, well, I just never, like, got to the last boss. I never beat the last boss without putting modifiers on. And I think I just like the gameplay in Hades more and just the art style. And, um, yeah. Man, I just went full dummy mode for Dead Cells. Hades 2, 
probably not coming out in 2024. It'll hit early access in 2024. It'll probably be a co-op. It could go the way of uh, the day before and just get delayed four more times before or a silk song becoming absolute vapor. Oh. <laughs> All right. Uh, adaptation. The last of us one. No surprise there. We all, we all predicted that uh, best multiplayer went to Baldur's gate three Baldur's gate did well. <laughs> uh, yeah, a little, <laughs> I mean, it, it got the most awards. No, I think Alan Wake I, did get the most. It got four. Alan it got Wake four got to three. Alan Wake's three. Yeah. Damn! Your logic is flawed. Nick, you made a good point about the multiplayer and how appealing it sounded to you. I don't know. We thought that it should have gone to a strictly multiplayer game, but you uh, you were right. I was right. Baldur's Gate got six awards. Six awards? Okay, not on our sheet. Well, we didn't count all. We didn't do all the awards. Oh, that's true. <laughs> we got a little lazy. <laughs> we got a little lazy. Sim strategy, Pikmin, easy. All of us got that. Family game was Super Mario Wonder. It's just the Nintendo award. Mortal Kombat, the Dark Horse story. No, Street Fighter Six won best fighting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> predictably, <laughs> we all got that. Best RPG, take a wild guess what won this category. <laughs> we all got that as well. Best action adventure, Zelda. Which they won two awards? Is that right? I'm trying to I'm trying to do the math here. Two awards, right? For Tears of the Kingdom. Tears of the Kingdom. I think they got one. They just got one, yeah. Best action adventure, and that's all. Wait, didn't they win best game direction? That was Alan Wake. Yeah. That was Alan Wake, dude. I don't know why my spreadsheet says Zelda and it's green. That shouldn't be correct. I don't know if we all guessed Zelda for best game direction. Probably did because we guessed Zelda for game of the year. So so that makes the final score 14 to 11 to 12. But we all guessed the same thing, so it doesn't affect the standings whatsoever. Best action game. Nick and I were correct with Armor Core 6. Chris with the swing and a miss on High Fire Rush. Uh, is this a surprise? It's not surprising to me based on how much people liked Armored Core 6. It's just straight-up action game. Multi-platform. Yeah. I mean, did you play High Fire Rush at all? Or at least try it? I didn't know. Yeah, I, I played the first maybe half hour of it, and it's cool, but it's it's not my it's not my thing. Maybe if they had a category for best rhythm game, they would win. High Fire Rush really does look cool. I feel like that would probably be a game that I would like. Apparently, I like rhythm games. It's this generation's uh, Sunset Overdrive. Oh, what was the trailer we saw that I was like, this is basically just Sunset Overdrive? Was it the Suicide Squad? Yeah. Yeah. Debut Indie went to Cocoon. We all got that. Uh, best indie went to Sea of Stars, which Chris and I got. Nick, you went out on a limb with Dave the Diver. But I mean, dude, Sea of Stars just had the 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 big the big backing. I don't, they all kind of had the big backing. <laughs> I mean, half these games are free on either Game Pass or PS Plus, so a lot of people got to play them. Sea of Stars, however, uniquely the only one that was free on both. So should have saw that one in the in the stars. In the star, you should have been able to read the skies, brother. Best community support, Baldur's Gate 3. Totally just stole it from Destiny, man. Bungie has done a good job of listening to their community, but unfortunately all the people who were actually engaged with the fans no longer work for Bungie, so it became a moot point pretty quick. The cyberpunk nom is still, it's cute, right? You love that? You're still laughing about that? I'm not happy about it. Best ongoing game. Went to cyberpunk. Ongoing. That's, that's wild. That's wild. 
Day before. <laughs> ongoing, dude. Yeah, ongoing for four days. Ongoing for Let's four go. days. Best four days of my life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen, listen. Cyberpunk winning best ongoing game is such a fucking insult. I already ranted about this last time. That's why I went with Genshin, because just on principle, I would not vote for Cyberpunk, knowing that it would probably win because just the high-profile nature. You know, you got that nice picture of Idris Elba thrown up on stage. This is embarrassing that a company like CD Projekt Red released a game three years too soon. It was such a broken mess. PlayStation, to protect themselves legally, had to fully remove it from their store for several months until the game was even playable and then they come out and they they recraft the game over the last three or four years and they make it this expansive dlc and then charge everybody again now everyone's like oh my god it's fixed we're so happy about it it's like dude what a racket what a racket you release a broken unplayable fucking nightmare of a game and then you charge everyone a second time and now we're giving them kudos for doing the bare minimum for them to win a fucking award and bring people on stage to give them a, a, a masturbatory thank you speech is ridiculous. Yeah, and also, like, minutes later, <laughs> I don't know the exact timing of it, but having Sean Murray on stage for their next pie-in-the-sky revelation, like, it really is just a, not even just an industry, but just this award show in general, rewards over-promising and under-delivering. <laughs> they love a comeback story. Uh, a massive disappointment to see that. And I was glad to see that there were some big brain think pieces going around the internet the last 48 hours about kind of how gross that seems. Um, again, completely missing the point that this is a completely bullshit, fake-ass game award. None of it means anything. And it is literally all just Jeff Keighley desperately trying to hold on to some sort of relevance and taking money from anyone and everyone who is willing to spend. You know, completely fake. So, but I'm glad that uh, it... it Rattled some cages. But I guess it's accomplishing what they wanted to accomplish, right? They're getting their angry clicks, and, and the Game Awards is floating around right now, and Jeff Keighley's name is on everyone's tongue. So maybe that's what they want at the end of the day is, is you know, engagement is good even if it's not good, right? Especially if it's not good. Look at Twitter. Look at Twitter, <laughs> whose company's valuation has like been cut down to a tenth in less than a year. I meant less about Twitter itself and more of the user base and what yeah. gets floated to the top. The haters are their elevators. Here we go with an absolute run of awards that uh, we all missed on. Games for Impact, we gave to Unbound. Chia won. Shout out, 70, 78 on Open Critic. The Impact, EJ. Think of the Impact. I honestly thought Terra Nil would have won because they literally plant trees like with the money that they make and like help preserve the environment. So I feel like that's pretty impactful, but I, I didn't realize that that was a thing. If I had known that when we made the predictions, I probably also would have voted for that uh, or predicted that. But yeah, it seems a little silly. This again, this award is just it's made up. Terra Nil also getting that switch port like in the next couple of weeks. Oh, but it's just a mobile game. I wonder if that'll up the score or lower it. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> exactly. if it works, if it works on mobile, though, could this increase by 19 points? Though, and give Brendan a chance to beat Chris. <laughs> Is there even a possibility of 19 points? I would have tried harder for a shadow drop had I known that GTA 6 was going to be a 2025 release. Now I don't really care about last place as much. 
I know last place gave you the would give you the first pick next year. Now, yeah, it doesn't really matter so much because there's no clear cut number one. Yeah, uh, right now. I mean, Silk Song, I guess, but you're playing with fucking mm. fire, brother. <laughs> this is year year four. It's gonna happen this year, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh God! Did you choose it each year, Nick? No, no I okay. didn't choose it in twenty one okay. or twenty two. He's had it twice, and, and yeah, Chris had it once, and you'll <laughs> yeah. have it next year. And I hope it comes out. It will be the best, the best 86 I ever played. 86? Yeah. <laughs> you went under. <laughs> so it's the accessibility. We went Spider-Man, Forza 1. Best performance? You guys went Final Fantasy. What was his name? Ben. Ben Starr. Ben Starr. And I went Yuri Lowenthal for Spider-Man 2. Neil Newbon for Baldur's Gate. Should have went for it. Doubled down with the golden joysticks. Dude, when the camera pans over to Ben Starr and he just looks... He's like, you mean I've been on this PR tour for nothing? Whatever. He's getting a lot more work. Audio design. We all guessed Alan Wake 2. It went to Hi-Fi Rush. Interesting. Which was my pick, I think, for score. Music, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess that, I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? Like, just being the kind of game it is and it being so tied to the mechanics of the game, I guess. Yeah, it was just, there's three horror games nominated. So you thought maybe one of the horror games would have won. Because it sure wasn't going to be Spider-Man. The worst 88 that EJ's ever played. I mean, it was a fine game. It just wasn't better <laughs> than the last two. I know. I'm so Another reason I'm glad Chris isn't on this week because he, he'd want to open that can of worms. Spider-Man didn't deserve any awards. Yuri Lowenthal probably deserved an award. Spider-Man does not deserve any of these awards. No, I agree with that. It was a fun game. but It was fun, but it was, it was fine. It was underwhelming. Was it better than the last two games, Brennan? No, I think it was just more of the same, so it didn't have ha- as much of an impact. If this was the first game that had come out, we would have our our tune would be a lot different. I agree. They didn't do enough to meaningfully improve, and being as short as it was, and having some of the narrative issues that it had, um, despite some minor gameplay improvement, and the fact that it reviewed higher than both of the last two Spider-Man games, and is on this list. Or any any of these lists, I think it's a little silly given how great the year was for video games. The Game Awards has been going on for a very long time in, in different incarnations, right? Back in the uh, Spike TV Spike days, TV, yeah. Twenty seventeen was the highest rated year in Game Awards history. I think with a total of ninety was it ninety two four was the average uh, Metacritic score of all the Game of the Year nominations. This was the second highest year with like a 92-3. Both years with Mario and Zelda. Yeah, that'll float it up. Right. And obviously Mario Odyssey uh, being like the highest reviewed game ever. uh, Just on Open Critic. Yeah. So score uh, goes Final Fantasy. Should have seen that coming. Best narrative. Uh, Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. No, I can't argue with this. Best narrative went to Alan Wake 2, which Nick and I both got. Chris went with Final Fantasy. Having spent 100 hours in that world, he just, it was the heart pick. It was the heart pick. What do you do? Alan Wake 2, best narrative. I mean, it makes sense. It's all narrative. Yes, that's true. Here's your opportunity, Brennan, before we get to the EJ starts ranting about how it shouldn't have won three awards and it wasn't even the top 20 reviewed games this year. Tell us about your time with Alan Wake 2. You said it was your favorite game of the year. Yeah, absolutely. I was a big fan of the original Alan Wake. And then when Control came out, you know, we always wanted Alan Wake 2 and it was just caught in limbo. And then Control came out and it gave us Alan Wake, an Easter egg. And then they said that they're making the game. And then it finally released this year. 
played it and just from the beginning it just drew me in it has a clear direction it and you just want to know more of the story i know like you know you watched me play about 15 minutes and it you know the exploration is i guess lackluster there's a lot of ambiance in it and like the vibes are heavy the gunplay is a step back from control especially because you're like a god in control and have all these superpowers <laughs> but what the game wants to do it does exceedingly well and it just tells the story and it tells the next chapter of alan wake this guy this he's a writer but he's he's trying to unravel a mystery of why he's here it's a mystery game right right it's missed with guns no, not uh, quite. No, no, <laughs> not even a little bit. <laughs> I mean, it's like if if you if you played it, like you would see like the 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 awards that it won. It wasn't you know best action adventure, you know best overall game or whatever. It won direction, narrative, and art direction, and it it deserves those. Like I mean, it it has a clear path on where it wants to go, and it doesn't falter from that. Like it is the storytelling is the best part of that game it's a beautiful game and it is scary and there are lots of terrifying things about it but it just it does those things very well plus you saw the musical number that they did on stage and that's literally in the game and it's really cool the music wild was, was interesting I, I mean so alan wake to me is like a fucking fever dream and watching the recap video of the first game, it was like this is very like esoteric and to throw a rock at Chris is very Lynchian. It's like, okay, this is loose connective tissue just to get to the next weird thing because we sort of like doing the weird masturbatory, like we're weird thing, and that's fine. This game definitely seems like more of that. And and like I think it's interesting the use of like cutscenes with actual actors, which sort of just lends itself to being like this weird fever dream where you're like going from gameplay seeing these cutscenes that are like part cinematic, part like gameplay elements and you're like this is right. fucking weird as shit it's definitely interesting put that in the box <laughs> <laughs> ej after watching 15 minutes of brennan play this game and a, a 10 minute youtube recap of the original game well it's interesting <laughs> it's definitely interesting <laughs> part of me also like just reject the idea like i the, the guy who who made this game Seems like just such a self-important git. Like he's like, I'm gonna write this weird fucking game that doesn't make any sense, and then I'm gonna put myself in it, and then I'm gonna go on stage during the game awards and be the center of attention, and they give a fucking like I just everything about that guy. I'm like, is this Joel McHale? This guy fucking sucks. It just bothered the shit out of me. So that's like also poisoning my opinion of the entire affair. Sam likes a sweetheart. He seems like a totally genuine, awesome dude. Who knows and his his legacy of working on Max Payne and then moving on to being an independent developer with like huge successes with with Alan Wake and Control is like good on him. They stuck with it. The Max Payne legacy. <laughs> yeah, I mean those first two games, people love those games. Created Bullet Time. Wait, really? I think wasn't Max Payne like the first game to do that Bullet Time? Yeah, they they uh, pioneered like, that as far as gameplay yeah. goes. They're like, this is the this is the only cool thing from the Matrix, so let's do that. And then they were right. So it was post-Matrix, huh? Okay. Yeah, it was like PS2 era. It was like 2002 or three. I want to say, for the first one. So Alan Wake also wins Best Game Direction, which I guess I can't argue about this because nobody knows what Best Game Direction even means, as we've established on this podcast. It, it usually just goes to Game of the Year, as we've talked about. Um, this is one of the few times it didn't just go to Game of the Year, right? I don't know. Sure, I guess. Yeah, not notably, the last time that I can remember that I'm thinking of was uh, Death Stranding versus Sekiro getting Game of the Year. 
So another weird, esoteric, wanky, wanky. I'm not a Kojima guy. I know, Brendan, that is just music to your fucking ears as a very big Metal Gear guy. <laughs> yeah, those days are gone, though. Delta in four or five years. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'll play it for sure. I'm worried about that one, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Understand. Yeah. Red flags. <laughs> well, uh, I'm worried about it for league purposes. I'll play it for sure. But for league purposes, I'm worried about it. Also fair. Does this go to the guy that just because we know him and we know his face and he's in the game? Is that is, did that have anything to do with it? Is it because this game came out four weeks ago? I don't know. I would love to see the percentage breakdowns on how many votes for each uh, game went to these different awards. You know, especially considering like what Zelda did to completely reinvent the world that they had made six years ago. It, it completely, in my opinion, upended it. I mean, it was. The way you interact with that world changed so much about that formula. I mean, that's why Breath of the Wild got best game direction in 2017. I know it's sort of the fatigue of like, it's the same world and it's it's the same characters and whatever. It is far and away the superior game in every way. And again, the, the tools that they developed to interface with the world were just amazing. Best game direction, if you're looking top down, but again, direction is not just about game mechanics. It's not just about art direction. It's not just about... I mean, literally, Nick, you brought it up and we talked about this, um, la- I think last year maybe. Literally, a, a, someone is directing people for these cinematics and the mocap. Like, is like a film director doing that. You know, it's, it's like, what is, is this all of that? Is it one of those? I mean, I, who, I don't know. Who knows? And is that the same person? Is it a unified vision? Like, Right. It probably is in the case of Kojima because I, I don't see him ceding control over to anybody else especially when it comes to interacting with celebrities so i don't know if that's the case necessarily with sam link i don't even know if sam link directed it. i think he might have just been a writer but i'm not sure why isn't this best director then you know what i mean like i don't understand it's just i think it should be yeah sure i agree get neil Druckmann up there to to talk about palestine or whatever for eight and a half minutes wouldn't you love that uh yeah it would it would make more sense to be best director and then it would at least make more sense as to what the point of the award is game of the year. We all guess Zelda Baldur's gate won it. I know we, we all sort of waffled on this and it really just came down to have enough of these outlets or the people voting actually played through enough Baldur's gate versus everybody who played Zelda, you know, Baldur's gate won. Sure. And it's, it's the highest reviewed game of the year. It's uh, seems like a very uncontroversial pick. Had Alan wake one dude, Oh, you have lost your mind. Oh, it would have been, it would have not been pretty. Again, I joked in the chat the other day. I said the data doesn't lie. It's not even in the top twenty reviewed best reviewed games of the year. I think it is number twenty actually. And how many of those games are like ports? <laughs> A few of them. <laughs> so you have yeah. to take those into account. Yeah, or remakes. <laughs> not Red Dead. Um, hey, I had a question. Are have either of you or will either of you check out Baldur's Gate three? I have you whatsoever. I bought it. And I want to play it. It's just intimidating. There's a lot I actually had planned on with my time off getting into it. And then Warzone launched. The easy thing. <laughs> Stay <Yeah>. tuned. <laughs> I can jump in and jump out. I need to know more about this game. I need to know more about the, the, the mechanics, how you interface with the world. Because I'm envisioning a game that is very much like The Witcher. It's, it's more Witcher than Skyrim. And I don't know if that's accurate based on what I've seen. 
think it's more KOTOR than either of those. What really appealed to me was when you broke down how the multiplayer works, part of me is like, dude, instead of these schmucks, shout out to my boys, Spencer, Jeff, and Ben. Playing DayZ. Playing DayZ. We could be playing Baldur's Gate together in our own instance of this universe. And like, that's a game that like I would only just play in our multiplayer instance. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to put 200 hours into a single player game, but like, this could be a really awesome multiplayer experience that would get us off the Warzone grind and get them out of the absolute doldrums of what is probably the worst reviewed game that has ever been mentioned on this podcast. It, it's like Golem, it's got like a 41% on Open Critic. Oh, it's changed so much over the years. No! Stop! You motherfuckers should just go buy the day before and you'd probably have a better experience in that fucking game than in Day Z. I don't know. Is this a game that appeals to you, Nick? Not really. It seems like too much. It's a lot. I love a good RPG, but it seems too deep than what I'm interested in. I love a shallow mid RPG with occasional really good and engaging ones but I like to just have some popcorn RPGs. Those are my favorite kinds. You know, speaking of popcorn RPGs, I'm kind of excited for Dragon's Dogma 2. Yo, that's going to be awesome. It looks really cool. It looks really tight. It looks janky still, but also like they've made the big steps where it counts. Yeah. That big colossal Titan thing that you're fighting, being a cat person. Let's go. EJ, there you go. Cat people. That's all you wanted, right? I've been playing Pokemon, you know, and I've got my little Sprigatito, my little green cat boy. He's level 100, and I just never evolved him because I really fucking hate, like, waifu furries. So I just kept him a cute little cat, and uh, his stats suck, but it's okay. He still just slashes everything to death anyway because he's level 100, so it doesn't matter. So wh- why did you why did you pick that starter then? You knew what its, what its fate is. <laughs> uh, because have you seen the other two? I like the alligator. Horrific. They're awful. He's cool. They're, no, they're terrible. I like the fire guy. He's cool. I'll, I'll be picking him when I get that game, whenever it ships. Before we move off from game awards and the awards themselves, I did ask Chris uh, if he wanted to share anything in regards to game awards. So I've gotten a prepared statement from him. Love that. Okay. Nobody knows what directors do, and EJ especially doesn't, and also shouldn't be popping off about an 89 rated game that he didn't even play. It's not even in the top 20. For his inevitable AW2 rant. I, for one, am thrilled Best Direction didn't just serve as a fucking baton pass to Goaty. And then he also said, Also, the announcements were piss poor. It's no wonder World Premier Voice quit in protest. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny, considering what I do for a living. Um, My protest against this, it's not even about Best Direction. It's about the fact that the award itself is so nebulous. Best Direction goes to a game that is the least like a video game. Like, this is more movie than anything. Is that what the category maybe actually is then? The video game that's most like a movie? I, yeah, maybe, yeah. Except in which case we just give it to the, the game that we like the most. Alan Wake, by all accounts, is very well directed. But I, again, I don't know what that means in the context of of this medium. Because it's not a film. It's not a television series. Elden Ring got it last year, competing against God of War, Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Immortality, and Stray. 2021 Deathloop got it versus It Takes Two, Psychonauts 2, Ratchet and Clank, Rift Apart, and Returnal. Uh, 2020 looks like The Last of Us Part 2 won it because obviously. I don't even have to read what it was competing against because who cares. And then 2019 Death Stranding beat out Control, Outer Wilds, Resident Evil 2, and Sekiro. So yeah, it, it is basically just the spillover from Game of the Year. Because a director for a game does 
largely different things from what a director for a movie would do, right? Because it's a completely different medium, obviously. Does the director, like, do they, do they dictate what the game design is? Like what you're actually doing moment to moment? Are they only doing the cinematics? Like, we don't know. (laughs) I don't think anyone voting knows. I don't think game directors know because game, like video game titles are totally made up. Like a producer at one studio probably does the job of a director at another or uh, nobody even knows. It's just designer, designer, director, producer. It's all just titles. Who's actually doing the work, which is why I think it'd be cool if it was best director and they actually named a director and then give like an opportunity or something that would be nice. I think would be something closer to what the Oscars do where they have for your consideration and they actually make it like a pitch where they say, Hey, this is why, this person deserves to be best director. This is what they did. This is like the standout moments from this game that we think are representative of the whole. So I don't know. It's weird. Obviously it's a a weird ass show. We've talked about it in the past where it's literally someone broke down the time of award acceptance speeches versus game announcements and then ads. And it was 10 minutes of people accepting speech, uh, doing acceptance speeches. And it was an hour and a half of ads and trailers. So it's, it, shows like what is important to this show based on the time that the showrunner gives it again if the criteria were a little more clear it maybe would be less of a conversation uh and obviously chris isn't here to defend himself but we've had this conversation so many times and he's not any more enlightened on what a game director does or what this whole category should be or is so it's easy to make a quick quip but Hasn't shed any more light on this topic. I don't understand. I just don't understand. I think it was primarily just you getting mad about an 89 and a game that you haven't played. (laughs) Those are the salient points. (laughs) I I mean, I don't need to have played it. The 20th best reviewed game of the year. It sold like 150,000 copies. Nobody has bought this game. Brennan is like a 10th of the player base for this fucking title. Where are you getting those numbers from, bucko? (laughs) Here's an article from sportsillustrated.com. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Let's go. The only reliable news source these days. It's where I'm getting my video game news from now on. Please, Sports Illustrated, give me bikini babes and video game content. Guardians of the Galaxy was nominated for Game of the Year a couple years ago. Jeez Louise. That must have been a rough year. People like that game. People like DayZ, Nick. Yeah. People like Death Stranding. I don't understand. We're just naming things that people like. Best Direction should have gone to Mario Wonder, and I stand by it. Yeah, that flower do be quipping. Those are the words. I uh, try to be relatively quick about it because I don't... <laughs> we're 50 minutes in. Not that interesting. Run us through the show here because I feel like we probably have a lot more to say about the show itself because we sat through all two hours of it, and boy, was it something. Listen, I was an hour late, and I was still sitting here for three hours. It wasn't that long, was it? It was three and a half hours long. Wow. We started at 4.30. We were not done until after 8. Wow. It didn't feel that long being with you guys, despite their best efforts. Yeah, that would be my sort of top level sort of assessment, is that it didn't feel like it was that long. But then afterwards, it was like, wow, that was just a lot of nothing. So, yeah, because of your guys's. Uh, encouragement. I am also at uh, sportsillustrated.com looking at the Game Awards <laughs> announcements for 2023 and they have it sorted by the things that are the closest to coming out which is a, an interesting way to do it. So Baldur's Gate 3 for Xbox is out the day of. The finals came out in 1.0. That's like a multiplayer shooter game. 
could be a replacement for Warzone. You never know. Uh, Warhammer 40k Rogue Trader was uh, out that night. Final Fantasy 16 DLC was out that night. Ark Survival Ascended. I think that's already been out for a while. Same with Guilty Gear's Drive. Like I don't understand this list at all. This is just things that have that were shown at the at the show. There was a DLC character for Guilty Gear, but that was already known about. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. There was a trailer at the show. Honkai Star Rail. There was a trailer at the show for an old game. Assassin's Creed Nexus trailer for the show. Lego Fortnite, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know. I could like skim through and like highlight the things like EJ, if you have anything to talk about for God of War, Ragnarok, Valhalla, which are the two uh, Norse words that people understand from seeing Thor movies. Wait, Assassin's Creed, Valhalla, Ragnarok DLC. We didn't know God of War, Ragnarok, Valhalla DLC. Okay. Okay. I'm getting, yeah. I'm getting my games confused. This is certainly not what was rumored. Uh, expand alone. And the rumors of maybe we get to play as Atreus and see what he's up to as uh, Kratos retires from being a horrific, murderous brute and changes his life to some degree. No, this just looks like I, I don't know what this is. Challenge mode. Yeah, it's just it's just to keep their engagement levels up. Probably. I mean, it's free this in the, this week. I guess I just don't. It just seems weird. As we found out, thanks to Nick's meticulous spreadsheet keeping, uh, things that are announced at the Game Awards either don't come out or tank pretty hard. As I was joking in the group chat the other day, an event that gets more views than the fucking Super Bowl. Okay, I think last year was uh, 103 million views on the Game Awards. And you'd think that these companies would be clamoring to give their absolute best. Instead, it just turns into a huge platform for pushing a company's worst products. So are either of you uh, big fans of Joseph Ferris or his seminal work, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, or as I call it, brother, Brothers, A Tale of Two Brothers? <laughs> <laughs> no. I remember when that came out. That came out on Xbox One, didn't it? Xbox 360. Did it? Yeah, it was like back in the day with like Limbo and stuff. It was one of those early like, oh, wow, indie games can be real video games. Isn't that neat? <laughs> They made a downloadable game. What is good? I have no idea why they're remaking this game. It must have sold fairly well. I just want to sell it again. Uh, they got the next game from the Inscription Dude, Pony Island 2, which I didn't even know he'd made the original Pony Island, which is like one of those weird, Yeah. hey, it's a joke that this game that thinks that says it's one thing isn't actually that thing and is in fact deeply unsettling and strange. So another one of those. And it's got, what's that guy's name? Uh, Pro ZD, I, I don't know his actual name, but some like YouTuber slash voice actor guy is like the main antagonist, it looks like. Hmm. Kind of interesting. No, I'm excited for that. I loved Inscription and I did play the original Pony Island. It's weird. I mean, you were fully torqued for Inscription and you tried to get me into it and it was a very obtuse game and I was trying to figure it out and I and I read, read some stuff about how the game uh, unfolds and it, it, yeah, very Pony Island. It has its like twists that I didn't get to in my playthrough, which I'm kind of glad about probably at this point. <laughs> well, luckily for you, there's also a mode. Do you have to beat the game to unlock the, the roguelike deck, deck no. builder mode? Okay, so it seems like you could play just that and get your fill of doing the deck builder stuff. Yeah. I need to grind my platinum. I did your platinum for you. I wish you did. I did. On inscription? Yes. No. You're high as fuck. You need to go check. 
You, no, you go fucking check. Go to fucking PSN trophies right now. You didn't grab you. What we did, the only thing we did with each other's PSN accounts was you did the final trophy on Risk of Rain 2 for me because the crabs were annoying as fuck. And I did your final trophy on Castle Crashers, which was really fucking hard to do. I wish you got the inscription platinum oh, for me. Yeah, yeah, no, I didn't. No, you're not even close. <laughs> you fucking stoner ass. <laughs> I hear smoking Arbovita doobies. I got my yeah. platinum. I know you grinded that thing out, uh, dude. I guess that gives me an excuse to play it again. I'll platinum it for you. Uh, also announced was the Rise of the Golden Idol, which seems to be a follow-up to the case of the Golden Idol. Yes. I didn't know beloved that. Beloved mystery game from last year, which both of you guys played together, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Well, we tried to play the DLC, too, and it's hard. It's just hard. <laughs> it's hard. And it's the end of a long the Spider game. of Lanka or whatever. <sighs> yeah. I'm I'm excited for that too. The art style looks a lot different. It looks cool. Yeah, instead of like like a weird MS Paint drawing, it looks like one of them 3D games. Yeah, good on them. Uh, this one was interesting when we saw the trailer for Usual June, which is uh seems to be a deaf girl who is doing a musical. Or was that Harmonium? That was Harmonium. What was what was Usual June then? Usual June was like the spooky ghost. Uh. I don't think I saw this. I think I might have been peeing. You may have been. This is like an action game, but like anime and looks kind of creepy. It's the tunic guys. Yeah, a lot of them kind of blend together for me. So yeah, Harmonium was the game that I was just talking about from Odd Gentleman, which I'm not sure if I have if I'm familiar with them as a developer. Coming to Xbox Game Pass and Netflix games. So if you can't pay for it, it's sure to be good. Um also shown was Windblown, which is the next game for Motion Twin of Dead Cells fame. EJ, what did you get from this trailer? It was a tale of two trailers to me. I think the cinematics looked horrible, and I was like, this this seems like a third-rate yikes. And then it like showed some gameplay, and then it, it showed us the developer, and I was like, that's weird. This shouldn't look like this. Yeah, I don't I don't know why they do this. Dead Cells, apparently they've had great success with their kind of cheap looking animated uh, trailers that are mostly just like tone pieces, I guess, because they are not indicative of the gameplay whatsoever. That's just like a cheap kind of Saturday morning cartoon look. The game they showed the gameplay sick. for it, and it's actually a Diablo look down. It's like they're they're making a multiplayer Hades, is what they're doing. They decided, hey, let's take our roguelite chops and do that, but top down and multiplayer. So, but not like free camera movement, like Risk of Rain 2, but it's a Hades-like. That's the vibe I got. Which can be totally exciting. And if it is multiplayer, half these games I would never play solo. But like with Risk of Rain, Brennan and I put how many hours into it? And then we started playing with you and Lindsay. It just got us hooked. So a game like this that is action-based and not cool-down hotkey-based, you know, like a Diablo or something. It's going to be. Way more appealing. You think this is going to be more like Diablo than Hades? Hades is an action game, right? Yeah. Hades has cooldowns too. I'm sure you will have a attack that is not like a long cooldown, and then you'll have three attacks that are longer cooldowns, and then you'll cycle through depending on gear what those attacks are. That is generally the loop. I mean, that's what Risk of Rain does as well, except less so on the abilities that you unlock. But that's more the loop for Dead Cells and Hades where you get a gear, and then you decide how you spec that gear based on if you want it to attack faster or deal more damage. In Risk of Rain... 
like your movement matters and your default attack doesn't have a cooldown. To me, playing Diablo is like playing KOTOR where you're just queuing a bunch of attacks and then watching it all unfold. And that is not appealing to me. I want to be constantly engaged and having to like in real time interact with what my enemy is doing. I don't want to just queue a bunch of shit up and say, all right, let's see how this plays out. That's all Diablo is. Like there was zero skill or engagement. So what I'm hearing is you just don't like long cooldowns because Risk of Rain is heavily a cooldown game. If you stop moving in Risk of Rain, you die. If you stop moving in Diablo, nothing changes. <laughs> Your left stick is not on a cooldown in either of those games. <laughs> not entirely relevant. <laughs> you are clearly missing the point of what I'm trying to describe here and what I'm, I don't like in these quantum You're talking about cooldowns, and both those games have cooldowns. What do you expect from me, bro? Oh, God. Anyway. They also showed Thrasher, which is the next game from the Thumper developer, which is like a horror rhythm game. Uh, looks weird that's exactly what i'd expect from it uh dredge dave the diver crossover did either of you play either of those games yes dredge was awesome i love dredge dredge seemed really cool is that is that the fishing game yeah yeah horror fishing game very um uh lovecraftian uh not a game for me I think you okay. Like it. This next one, this next one checks all the boxes for perfect for a Keeley Game Awards showcase. It is from Archetype Entertainment, a new studio made up of former Bioware developers. Blah 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 blah. Um, debut trailer introduces the main character known as the Traveler in capitals, and it introduces the game's <laughs> time dilation mechanics, which will feature in both gameplay and storytelling. This is the Matthew McConaughey one, I think. <laughs> That's got like the weird, the weird people with the big eyes. That I said look like Fortnite characters with pores. This is a good segue into talking about the, as you've already noted, sort of the inconsistency in what the Game Awards purports itself to be and what it actually is. And you have these weird moments where they've paid a lot of money to get some random celebrity to come up and half-ass a couple of jokes. Matthew McConaughey was fine. But as we'll get to later down the line with like Anthony Mackie and Oof. like, oh God, it was so bad. And you have these fucking dickheads up there just yammering for minutes and minutes and minutes. And then it's like you get these developers who are nervous coming on stage to like talk about the thing we're here to talk about. And the fucking meme board in the back that we've seen floating around. What do they please say? wrap it up? Move it along. Please wrap it up. Yeah, it's like Jesus Christ, man. And it's just so. And then Christopher Judge, famously narcissistic, just like turning his entire speech about himself and just cringy as fuck, dude. I just can't. I can't. So anyway, Matthew McConaughey comes up and makes a joke about Interstellar, and then yeah, you get a nothing trailer for two and a half minutes. Just some nouns that every game reuses. I was so checked out by this point, and like we're not even. We're not even into the fucking show yet. There's a time and place for like tone pieces. A tone piece should never be the first thing a new studio shows. Like we do not care about the tone that you're going for, for your, your freshman effort. You know, <laughs> if it's from soft, they can get away with a tone piece revealing shadows die twice. Not even the title of their game, but the subtitle of their game, but they do not. And that's like 20 seconds. This was two and a half minutes of tone. <laughs> Absolutely wild, man. Hilarious. Uh, after that, we got the God of War Ragnarok Valhalla. Too many words. Um, <laughs> this was fun. Uh, Big Walk. The cooperative multiplayer adventure about teamwork <laughs> and talking. It's from uh, House House, who made Untitled Goose Game. 
and it's the one that kind of looked like a survival game, like realistic kind of graphics. But then the characters you're playing as are these weird little snowman blobby dudes with big eyes. I said, this is like if Olimar fucked his Pikmin, you'd get these weird little guys. <laughs> They're very unsettling. Check out my fan fiction. None of this so far has meant anything to me. None of it has moved me in any way. I was like, dude, we're, we're in for a ride if this is how the show goes the rest of the night. Yeah, and I don't have like timestamps to see how long it's been in the show. I think this is like half hour into the main show at this point, probably. would be my guess. Because that's when we got Hellblade 2, a new trailer from that, which showed a little bit of gameplay, mostly just like cinematics and talking. Uh, 2021 EJ, how do you feel about this game? potentially being actually next year i didn't play the first game obviously having drafted this game because the first one came out in like 2017 is that right i'm gonna need someone to fact check uh, this oh uh, god no one knows senua's sacrifice 2017 2017 so so 2021 i was feeling okay we got the announcement in 2019 we're feeling like you know how much goes into a walking sim like this we're gonna be four years into the sequel sure this game should hopefully come out next year. But anyway, their trailers are always awesome. EJ, if you thought that Alan Wake 2 looked like it was not your jam, you should play the first Senua's <laughs> first Hellblade game. <laughs> no, I know. It's, I mean, there's a reason I hadn't ever played that game. <laughs> Thank you, Brendan. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind, you know, a good walking simulator. He just doesn't want to be scared doing it. I don't like being scared. Oh, big scale with DJ. <laughs> All the horror games that I've played, I've actually just sat next to Brennan while he played and contributed every once in a while when we have to make a decision. We played through Until Dawn. We played through The Quarry. <laughs> uh, we have played Phasmophobia together, but I have to have Brennan next to me screaming in my ear like a little girl to make myself feel better. <laughs> Brennan, do you have the platinum for uh, a Sacrifice? No, I I honestly couldn't really get through it. I've tried a few times to get into it, and I it just it never clicked with me. I always heard kind of mixed things about the uh, just the sort of design of how you are navigating the environments, and then doing weird puzzle things, and then getting whispered at aggressively. Yeah, seems interesting. I don't really get why people why this became so elevated. Is it just because Microsoft is desperate to have a Naughty Dog that everyone's like, well, well, Ninja Theory is that for them? They have to be. It's like, do they? Ninja Theory? The makers of DMC and this? <laughs> and Heavenly Sword or whatever? I don't know. I, <laughs> I think, I mean, it. it looks beautiful. It looks really cool. It has really good cinematics. Yeah. But like, where's the game that backs that up? Why is there so much fervor for it? That's all. I think people are going to be very disappointed when the game actually comes out and they have to be brought back to reality where the game actually is, which will be like maybe an 80, but everyone's going to treat an 80 like it's a 60 because they wanted it to be the last of us five. Uh, after that was the new game from moon studios, the developers of the Ori games where they're doing a action RPG a la Diablo called no rest for the wicked. Had a cool like design as far as like the visuals, but I'm not super into these kinds of games. So did this stick out to you? This wasn't the Fortnite one. Everything looks a Fortnite. Yeah. And just kind of cartoony and wasn't like that. I'm seeing like a weird man with candles on his head and an old feller. Oh, but, uh, okay, okay, okay. It was more glowy. It was more like yeah. if a Warhammer was glowier and less about thick dudes. I think that like the only thing that really stuck out as far as game announcements goes was 
the that Metroidvania that they showed. That one did look really tight. Yeah. What was that? Uh, oh, that was the Tales of Kinzara. Was it Zao? Zao. I Zao. can't remember. Yeah. Zao. Well, not OD, the new Hideo Kojima <laughs> game for Xbox Game Studios. Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> no less for the work that I don't even remember what this was, apparently. So uh, moving on from that. Dragon Ball Sparking Zero. Yeah, would this do anything for you, EJ? The sequel to Tenkaichi? This looks fucking awesome. This is the first time, not the first time, the second time, but the first time in a 3D Dragon Ball game like this where the art style finally both captures Toriyama's gorgeous art and being faithful to the 2D style of Dragon Ball Z while also being competent at being a 3D action game. Something that the Dragon Ball 3D Dragon Ball games have never done. And the first time an art style like really captured that energy was obviously in Dragon Ball Fighters. This is doing what Fighters was doing, but in a 3D environment. And that has literally never happened in the history of Dragon Ball games. All the three Dragon Ball games look like shit, including Xenoverse, which I quite like. It just it, it's a little uncanny. It doesn't quite capture the 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 spirit of the 2D Toriyama style. And they all sort of have their not quite uncanny, but it's just they're always just off because you're turning these 2D characters into 3D models, obviously. This really did it for me. I was blown away. Because like last time we saw this game, it was just like a quick cutscene of Goku, right? Like in a black backdrop, basically. It was it was just like it was like nothing. I barely even remember what that was. This I was I was pretty taken with. So hopefully, hopefully the gameplay is actually good. I mean, Dragon Ball games historically are reviewed pretty awfully. I think the only Dragon Ball games that have actually ever reviewed well are Dragon Ball Fighters, Fighters. and Legendary Super Warriors on the Game Boy Color was received very positively, but very niche experience. Yeah, I thought the backgrounds in this game looked bad and the characters didn't belong in them, but that's like most of these games anyway. I have no hope that Bandai Namco will make a, a good 3D fighting game because they never have. See, I was never a big fan of the, the I mean, early Budokai, like Budokai 1 and 2, and then later on the HD of 1 and 3, I played a little bit. Infinite World is obviously a game that I've talked about a lot on this podcast, but like never really got into all the spinoffs and the Tenkaichi games sort of after the, the post Budokai lineage. I mean, there, and there were so, I mean, every year we got a game for how many years? Like at least seven or so. Like they were on a, they were on a roll with those for a while, especially in the PS2 generation, early PS3. Right. Uh, they announced visions of mana from Square Enix, which is a new mana game, not a remake. Uh, I think it looks Pretty nice. I'll have to wait and see what like the gameplay actually is because they're kind of hit and miss with their action RPGs. Uh, so have you guys been talking about OD? It seemed like you had some uh, <laughs> some some lineage as far as what you've talked about already with this game. The new Hideo Kojima game featuring two people talking awkwardly at a camera fresh out of acting school. Uh, there's really I don't think there's really much to talk about because they didn't show anything. It, it, it wasn't like we got a trailer like Death Stranding. Like we're like, oh, what is this? I mean, we're like, what the fuck is this? But it, it something was happening at least. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. No, instead you get a couple people doing a quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog. Yeah, and Kojima hiding letters and actors' mouths, and then the the stupid fan base eating it up. It kind of reminds. I don't know if you guys remember when uh, they were. Like the Kojima game was coming out and it, that turned out to be Metal Gear Solid 5 and they were the Moby trailers. Dick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It kind of reminds me of that and like where he had the 
um, I think he had the guy. Or with Blue the, Box Studios, man. Remember that? <laughs> it, and well, and it turned out to be just like a, a trailer for the engine where it's like that was yeah. all engine, but it looked like he was interviewing a real person. That's mm-hmm. what that looks like. I'm sick of these styles of announcements. I don't care about your motion capture technology. I don't care about the engine your game is in. I don't care about the Nemesis system or the Starship, this or that. I don't give a fuck. I don't care if it doesn't meaningfully translate to what the game is actually trying to do. I don't care about any of that. I don't need a fucking tech demo. This is stupid. And we spent 20 minutes doing it. And we got Jordan Peele awkwardly coming out looking like he's hopped up on coke, shaking his head at Hideo Kojima speaking Japanese with his translator awkwardly was trying to remember what he was supposed to be saying in front of thousands of people. It was terrible. And this is what we spent 20 minutes on? Come on. One thing that I think is interesting is that he wa- the door that he walked out of is the same door in the PT hallway. Oh, here we go with the PT conspiracy. Well, PT fans well, love no, to do it's, this. It's just interesting. It's interesting. You can't say it's not interesting. Like, is it probably nothing? Probably. But it's fun to, you know, speculate. And and the thing I was talking about with letters and actors' mouths is in the video, if you, like, boost the brightness, when the guy is talking, there are, like, frames where there are letters and it spells out a word that is, like, a location in Japan that also translates to like quiet hill or silent hill. So it's like everyone's like losing their mind about the secrets that Kojima's sprinkling along the way. But it's like he's making a horror game. Yeah. Yeah. And the people want to find something. So they are given what they want. Yeah. Hopefully it's, it's like, you know, some of his lost a game. Yeah. <laughs> lost ideas from the silent hill game that he's getting to put into this. So we'll see. Silent hill being the most coherent of Kojima's works would be very cool. And I know there was a lot of excitement around PT. I, I, Brandon, I asked if you played it. That, it was like a two-hour demo, right? Oh, it depends on if you knew all the puzzles. Okay. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Some, I never finished it because <laughs> it's too hard. The Legend of PT, has it grown to be what it is just because it was removed from the store and Kojima left Konami and did weird shit like Death Stranding or is it was it actually I mean is it worth still talking about the way it's talked about all these years later I just I don't get it well I mean the whole thing about it is it's the it was the playable trailer for Silent Hills right and and we got that I mean it got canceled so like we don't we don't get that I think that's where that comes from is like what could have been from that game everybody's clamoring for that and we still want that so I mean, it's like as as far as PT itself, like, I mean, it was, I mean, it was scary for sure. And it was a cool tech demo. I think it did sort of take that first person horror experience from the indie side where that had really exploded and become popular and turned it into something that real gamers could appreciate. Someone could nominate Silent Hills for game of the year at a game awards, but they would never do like Outlast or amnesia or whatever so i think it brought that into popularity in the horror genre but the horror genre still kind of floundered after that anyway until maybe resident evil 7 kind of brought it back as far as popularity in the mainstream i don't know but a lot of that is thanks to the first person and the sort of like more of the mind fuckery as opposed to the jump scares that were popular at the time so kojima so that was going to be his first silent he didn't do silent hill 
He had never done Silent Hill before. That explains why those are way more coherent than anything Kojima had done before, because he didn't do them. Okay, that makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> yeah, he had done Boktai and... <laughs> Boktai, the Game Boy game? Shout the fuck out, dude. Yeah, <laughs> shout out, dude. Sun is in your hand. The power of the sun. The sun. And the palm of my hand. <laughs> Alfred Molina's Hideo Kojima's Boktai. <laughs> that is so sick. Okay, so that makes a lot more sense in my head then. I know I keep, I know Brennan, you're the Metal Gear fan in you is like, fuck you every time I talk shit. <laughs> Another 89 that you've never played, EJ. Actually, I don't think any Metal Gear has gotten as low as an 89. <laughs> Brennan sent me like a nine hour video one time about the lore of Metal Gear. And I was like, I ain't watching all that. <laughs> that Did too I? Much. Whoa, yeah, that's way drunk. too much. You're like, you're like, listen, if you play the games, you're not going to understand anything. You have to watch this video first. I was like, I don't know, dude. Obviously, I don't understand anything either. You could watch Metal Gear Solid 4, the movie, which is all the cutscenes from Metal Gear Solid 4, which I think is like 20 hours. Yeah, it's insane. It's fucking insane. Do we skip over? Mostly everything, yeah. I mean, the next thing that Brennan mentioned earlier was Tales of uh, Kanzara, which is that uh, Metroidvania game that got announced. And it showed gameplay. And guess what? I like that. I like seeing the gameplay. It looked cool. Supposed to come out next year. They said it's going to be like 20 bucks. Hell yeah. yeah. Let's go. Too bad Chris isn't here to talk about Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Well, that was a big hold nothing anyway. It was just, they they brought out an orchestra to play the title song from a game that's not out yet. Like, why? <laughs> yeah. Did you guys see the, I'm trying to find it, but there was a, I don't know if it was a Reddit post or a tweet or something about the breakdown of the time spent in the Game Awards. Yeah, it was a tweet. I saw that. I sent it to Chris, so I'll scroll up and find that. Yeah, three-hour runtime was 10 minutes of winner speeches, 13 and a half minutes of musical numbers, 26 and a half minutes of award presenters, 42 and a half minutes of other presenters, and an hour 28 of trailers and ads. Okay, this list is not fucking comprehensive because the two, the only two things that I found interesting or exciting are not on this list. Which were? Black Myth Wukong and Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. God damn it. Well, forgot about those. Jurassic Park Survival is in the Sports Illustrated website. Shout out Sports and Illustrated. Black Myth Wukong, also Sports Illustrated. Sports August Illustrated. 20th, 2024. We, we got the date. Comprehensive as fuck. Okay. Black Myth Wukong was a game that I looked at heavily uh, uh, pre-2023 draft. I was very taken with it. I thought gameplay-wise, it looked way more interesting than um, the other one that I ended up picking up. Wolong Fallen Dynasty. So I remember picking up Wolong thinking it was Black Myth, and then it turned out that it was a good thing that I got him confused. If you go back, you can hear my panic as I realized I drafted the wrong game. Of course, Wukong gets uh, delayed, so it worked out in my favor. Wolong got an 82 or 81, something. Dude, the trailer they showed for this, I know it was like all cinematics. I was just really taken with this. I love the idea of doing Journey to the West. These characters look ridiculous. It looks freaky. The action was awesome. Right now, I am drinking all the Black Myth juice right now. I am all Wukonged up. I'm not going to play it, but I'm in on it. And I'm like, oh, this looks like a draft pick for 2024, fellas. I think this is going to be a firm 85 smack in the middle of the, the sort of Neo territory of Dark Souls ripoffs that aren't as good as Dark Souls. And I, I'm here for it. Brendan, what do you think about this? I, I can't wait to play it. Hopefully, it's more like Eliza P. You know what I'm saying? Who is Eliza P? <laughs> Who's Eliza? 
I don't know what you're saying because I didn't play that game, but I know you liked it. No, <laughs> I, I know great. what you're saying. Less the the stance gameplay and like the sectioned off levels yeah. that Neo had. Yeah. I don't know if they've really, have they detailed what the world is as far as how you're, uh, like, how it's laid out for you? Or they, I've only ever remember seeing like action sequences, so I don't know like what the in between is. I've seen, I've seen some gameplay and it looks more open world ish, open world adjacent more Sekiro yeah so I don't know we'll see I don't recall I just remember the there was like a long like a 20 minute gameplay demo but it was all in one area I think yeah just talking to some freakos and fighting a lizard man but it was like a it was like a wasn't like a spider creature or something I don't know it's all the same it's all just freakos Fucking freak yeah dude seriously they're freakos if it was freaky <laughs> this trailer fucked man I don't know eh, I mean I'm glad they gave a, a, a date for it but it showed nothing new to me Sure. I mean, it's advertising, of course, as we've established. It's all just advertising is supposed to get you hyped, even if it's not saying anything meaningful. And it worked! Jurassic Park Survival. The sequel to Jurassic Park that you never got. <laughs> Literally a direct sequel to Jurassic Park. Like minutes after the ending of the, of the movie is what the little blurb for the game says. This woman makes a call. She's, she got stranded on, on Isla Nublar. Everyone is left. The T-Rex is, is still out there. One of the raptors is still trapped in the freezer. And you see all these moments. Uh, you know, She's in the kitchen, and it pans over to the, the freezer door. And then she's outside, and she runs into the, the little winged bastard who spits poison. And the T-Rex confronts her, and she pulls the Jeff Goldblum. So it's like the greatest hits in this direct sequel. I said this on our chat, and I, and I don't know how to adequately convey this. This trailer gave me a feeling that I, I don't know how to describe it's that feeling where something in real life happens that you've only felt in a dream. I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a feeling. It's a weird feeling. I have had so many recurring Jurassic Park dreams. Like deja vu. It's not like deja vu, though, where you're trying, like you're grasping at straws, trying to remember something that you aren't sure if it happened or not. That's not what I think of when I think of deja vu. When I think of deja vu, it's like this has happened. It's like I'm remembering something that hasn't happened yet. Well, that's well, that's exactly it. It's not that feeling. It's like I remember these recurring dreams I've had for 25 years. And these dreams I have are horrifying. I'm usually being chased. I'm stuck somewhere that I can't leave. And, and dinosaurs are a part of so many of these dreams. So this whole trailer, I was like, whoa, I'm having that weird feeling. Like I'm in the dream and I know it's a dream, but like... These things are, it just was so bizarre for me. And I was like, I hope this isn't like a shitty multiplayer game. It's not. It's going to be a single player survival game. I doubt it's going to be good. But right now I am so hyped on it. This is the one thing from this game awards where I was like, that's day one for me. I'm going to play that game. Dude, dinosaurs on the island. I know this island. Literally, you know how many times I've been chased by a velociraptor in my dreams over the last 25 years, guys? You are uniquely prepared for this scenario. I am horrified, terrified, excited. You know how many times I've been out on Mount Hood up at Camp Creek camping for the weekend and there's a T-Rex in the forest and we're trying to not get caught by the T-Rex? T- tens of times, okay? Countless times. Tens. Innumerable. <laughs> Jurassic Park, not a 10 in your, on your movie scale. Nah, I gave it an eight. Oh, you gotta vote with your heart, man. It shows its age in a lot of places, and I still love it. I'm trying to divorce myself from from the nostalgia of something that I know like the back of my hand and can recite forwards and backwards. Also from the time and place of like, wow, this was really amazing for 1991 or whatever, 1993, whatever, 
90? When was that? Anyway. I think it was 90. And just like, how is this watching in 2023? And it was very good. But not a 10. Brennan, are you excited for Arcane's Blade? The third person honestly kind of makes me a little hesitant. I, I'm always hesitant about third person like action games like that. And especially, I don't think Arcane's done a third person game. I don't think they have. I think this is the first one. So it'll be it'll be interesting. I I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I think it's a recipe for success. If anything, it's it reminds me of Gorilla going from the kill zone games to something marketable. But you're doing that but also putting Marvel IP on top. I mean, obviously Blade is nowhere like it doesn't even stand in the shadow of Marvel Spider-Man, but it is still Got that big red logo on the front, too. So that's going to immediately be more popular than anything Dishonored's or uh, Arcane's ever done, like Dishonored or Deathloop. So hopefully they get that bag. Yeah. Hopefully it's good. Yeah. I don't I don't think the jump from first person to third person is going to be that dramatic. That's like a toggle on the back end. You know, it's, it's obviously it impacts world design and stuff, but I don't think it'll be. Too, I think the ceiling for this is like 2013's Deadpool. I don't know. No, the ceiling is like above Spider-Man as far as critical consensus. Really? Yeah. What did, what did Deathloop get? That's not even their highest rated game. I think the Dishonored games got better than Deathloop. Deathloop is like a low score for them. Deathloop was like an 89. Yeah, 88 or 89. So, I mean, Arcane can get good scores. People love Immersive Sims. Uh, Insomniac has proven that they they are the safest and most consistent uh, for Marvel games, but I think that Arcane is not <laughs> Arcane is not safe or consistent. Obviously, Redfall, no, Prey, I mean, Dishonored, but Dishonored, Dishonored two eighty seven, Dishonored DLC eighty two. So I mean, yeah, I mean they make good games. So yeah. right, but they're more beloved than their scores indicate. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Deathloop might be their highest rated game. I was pretty sure the original Dishonored's got better scores, and you might be looking at like ports and stuff because Metacritic does a bad job of surfacing yeah. <laughs> scores, it seems. Um, what else? Yeah, Light No Fire. That's the Sean Murray uh, Hello Games game that's like trying to be up just a one planet. Like, yeah, sure, buddy. Okay, uh, pal. All right. Okay, buddy. And then Simu Lu talking for 30 minutes about his broken foot and Stormgate, the RTS from <sighs> previous developers that were at a big studio and are no, now not. A real bummer of a show. I know we've had shows in the past where like the cringe levels are off the chart. We've talked about the celebrities showing up, trying to be funny, a, a relatively disengaged audience. The show's going on for far too long. No real hype moments like we always want out of these ceremonies. Like if they had gotten up and we saw the Switch, you know, hear the Switch snap and see a Nintendo logo and we get a 30-second trailer and they say something is coming, stay tuned for our direct in January or whatever, or even a Metroid 4 splash screen again. Like, just some hype moment. There was no real hype moment. You know, I know the highlight for you, Nick, a lot of years is the the medley they do with the orchestra and everything, and it was It's like, been worse every single year. Yeah. I think I can go ahead and say that. Like, it's pretty obviously it, it peaked in, like, 2019 or so, and this has been downhill since. I know they're trying really hard. This becomes a little more... As far as the hype, they want this to be the Oscars, right? Like this, every year it's, we talk about these nominations, like they mean something. And and you can argue that the Oscars don't fucking mean anything. And I know Chris would 
probably have something to say right now. But this was the first year watching where I really felt I came away from it feeling like this doesn't fucking mean anything. This is a really shitty, boring PR stunt, and I am fully over this <laughs> as an experience. Yeah, it's interesting because it seems like it's copying a lot from how the Oscars do things, but also like the Game Awards has a red carpet, but there are not anybody who's covering the Game Awards and like interviewing people that are at the Game Awards. They're just sort of there for the trailers for the next thing. Like they're already tired of the of the old thing, whereas the game like the the Oscars is like it's a celebration. It's cranking it for the year that had just happened. Yes. And this has a little bit of that, but it's mostly just cranking it for the things that are going to be happening in 2025. So it's hard to really feel like that's, that's not realistic. Like I don't care about games that are coming out in 2025. I, I care about games that are coming out tomorrow or games that I've been playing for the last three months. Yes. Which is why the, the final thing that was shown, the biggest thing that was shown, like clearly the biggest thing that was shown was monster hunter wilds, which is like, Monster Hunter 6. It is the sixth generation. It is the follow-up to Monster Hunter World. The biggest game Capcom has ever made in sales and in scope. So clearly, this is supposed to be a big deal. But the end of the trailer is 2025. And it's like, okay, peace. I don't care. Show me something next year, maybe. And we'll talk. But like, I don't care about this. You knew it was inevitable that Monster Hunter will have a sequel. So this isn't yeah, really doing no it No big surprise. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Okay. If it was Mega Man Legends 3, that would be surprising. That would be cool. Yeah. But Monster Hunter is like, yeah, sure. They sure are doing that thing that made them millions of dollars. Yeah, I believe that. And I have believed that since before this announcement. I'm with you. Like, I, I want the big hype moment because I'm a sucker just like everybody else. But yeah, I want it to be what's imminent. But also, there needs to be a bigger emphasis on celebrating the year prior, the thing we're looking back on and giving awards to. Like, I don't want celebrities talking. I want more music. I want the guy in the suit of armor that is the studio head for Larian right. who made Baldur's Gate 3, which swept awards left and right to get to say more than 30 seconds of words before getting shooed off the stage so that some other chuckle fucking talk about inane bullshit. So Anthony Mackie can tell the crowd to shut up for 14 minutes because he's in character for a show nobody liked or watched. Get the fuck yeah, out, dude. It's fucking awful, yes. <laughs> but at least he could confirm that there will be a season two on Peacock. Oh, fuck yeah! Twisted Metal. <laughs> on Peacock? I'm there, bitch. Fucking Christ, man. I know it's it's like trying to muster the, the juice right now to like be angry about it. It wasn't even angry. It was just... I, I was like, thank God the four of us are here. I know Lindsay was creeping in the back. Yeah, she was just trying to eat quietly. <laughs> Next time, please. Hoot, hoot and Some holler all you bong. want. Hoot, hoot and holler all you want. Yeah, if not for actually hanging out and like making jokes with y'all all night, this would have. Oh God! I mean, I would have probably taken a nap. Honestly, so must skip. All right, all right, all right. We're already we're gonna be recording like way too long here. Nick, what have you been playing? Let's dive into that real quick. And I'm sure Brendan will wax on Warzone a little bit, and I might scream one more time before we wrap this up. But yeah, have you had time for games? And you've been taking a lot of time off work, so I hope. I hope you've had time to play games. Yeah, I've had tons of time for games and have been feeling like playing games because sometimes those things do not line up where you have the time and you have the desire. Yes. Oh, I know. But I've had both. I've had both in spades. So I finished up Okami. Uh, my playtime on that ended up being about 42 hours. Wow. Which I would have to look and see how long it usually takes me to beat a Zelda game, but it does not ever seem like it's ever 42 hours. No. Uh Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild obviously being standouts amongst those because 
They are not the typical Zelda formula, but Okami is the typical Zelda formula, but without really so much of the like puzzle solving. So the dungeons are mostly just interacting with the environment, doing some traversal challenges and doing combat challenges. So that was like a nice change of pace. The combat felt really cool. There's like three different weapons that you choose from and then you uh, assign them to either a main or a sub. So then those become your your X and your Y uh, combat attacks. Um, it was really cool. It was interesting in the way that the narrative kind of plays out. It's very like peaks and valleys as far as the pacing. Every time you defeat a dungeon, you do the thing. There's not like an a one overarching bad guy that you're constantly trying to thwart. It's like you fight what feels like the main bad guy within the first quarter of the game. And then you move on and you go do like something completely different. And you do that like three more times. So it's very much like a, like a Western, like TV show, like a samurai traveling the world kind of uh, vibe to it, which gives it, it gives it this sort of, it feels like you're reading a myth. And each time you finish like a chapter, I guess you could call it. There's like a recap. There's this nice music playing in the background. There's this well-written little spiel talking about like what the characters did, how they felt, who they interacted with, what they did and felt and how they changed and grew. And then you move on to the next thing. So in that aspect, I think it's really cool and, and inventive. And I hadn't really played anything that sort of was structured that way. So that stuck out to me. And then the ending was, uh, had a good emotional payoff, had a character that you thought was like kind of a dirt bag, kind of like a childish person ends up doing like the right thing and pulling in clutch and like being the, the real hero that they needed to be to help you defeat the final big bad. So that's like, really great and awesome. So yeah, I would definitely recommend if you have the time and like the patience, because this is a game that despite having like a good variety of things to do, it did feel like if I wasn't in the mood for this game, I would totally just drop it. And I did do that. I dropped this game for years until I was like sort of in the mood for this kind of game and picked it back up and had a great time. But I would recommend if you're in the mood for something like that era of Zelda, this came out in 2006. So the same year as Twilight Princess, but a lot of people end up liking it more. I still like Twilight Princess more, but if you're in the mood for something like that, I would recommend giving Okami a shot. This is the same studio that did like Beautiful Joe. Yes. This is Kamiya. Have they done Over studio anything lately? They did what? Near Automata a few years ago. Oh, they- okay. Platinum is still a studio. I mean, Kamiya just left the studio like a few weeks ago. So they're on a different trajectory now. And they've had like total like whiffs and like stinkers since then. But they still put out good games as often as they put out bad games. It's like Shaquille O'Neal. You shoot 50%, you make one, you miss one at the free throw line. You make one, you miss yeah. one. You make one, you, you make miss one. one. That's, all, that's all good. Yeah. Comes out in the wash. <laughs> so I finished that and then so I, you know, spent 40 hours of the game and it felt longer than 40 hours in some ways, but it's weird how a game can feel like a chore, but it was also really gratifying. I don't know how I I, I don't really experience that often, but I think it's mostly just like that era, like PS2 games and GameCube style games. So I wanted something short and like bite-sized. So I I checked through the old library Durheim. And uh, picked off my game shelf, one of the shortest titles I could find. And that was something called Male Mole, which is a cute 3D platformer uh, indie developed uh, game where you play, as you guessed it, a mole who is like a little mailman dude. And you're just running through these worlds. It's very like the level design is very reminiscent of Mario 3D World. Huh. 
but the uh, traversal is unique. So you're you're holding Y to run, but you're underground because you're a mole. You're holding Y to move faster, but that's not really the way you want to move around. You want to jump and then hit Y right when you're landing, and that gives you a, a temporary boost. So it's all about jumping and landing and boosting, and you get in like this really crazy frenetic sort of uh, roller coaster zipping around these uh, levels that are basically you know pretty easy, pretty bare bones as far as uh, uniqueness or design, but it's really really fun to like zip around and you're slingshotting off of things and you're barely in control, which is like the best place you want to be like you want to feel like you're just barely holding on when you're playing a hardcore platformer wow. and this isn't a hardcore platformer it just lets you be hardcore about it so that was really fun and engaging after 40 hours and just finished this game in like maybe five four or five i spent too much time trying to speed run and get like the gold medal on all these different levels before like giving up on that just trying to see everything this is a game that i would absolutely pass by because it looks like a mobile game but like i totally see what you're saying about you know, it being very inspired by by something like Mario 3D World. It looks very cute. It is cute. It's cute. How do you come into owning a game like this? Because I know you have an ever-expanding Switch library. How do you determine like, oh, this is a game that I should pick up and put on the shelf and maybe play one day? A lot of it comes down to just seeing what's on sale. I think I got this game for like 20 bucks. So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll spend 20 bucks on a game that I might play. And then I did play it and I liked it. So like, it comes out as like a big W in my oh, books. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, of course. So it really just comes down to like, it, do you feel like you're getting a good deal on something that you would be interested in? Does, do you see a trailer for this? Oh, yeah. I'm not going to buy it sight unseen. Like I'll, I'll see a cover and I'm like, okay, this seems like they care because you can tell a lot about how much a developer cares about their game by what their cover looks like. Had good art. It was engaging. Um, I looked at a trailer. It's like, yeah, this totally seems above competency like it seems like they care and yeah i i looked at reviews i didn't see anything that like turned me off like a game can review in the 60s and i can still have a good time with it like a a metacritic or an open critic doesn't really pertain whatsoever to what i actually enjoy and want to spend my time with so personally it's just like i watch the gameplay does it seem like i could have fun with it for more than an hour and if that's the case then yeah i'll just wait for a price that seems reasonable so you know chicken to the egg this is very much like i'm just keeping an eye out for good deals and then i do my research it's not like uh you have some hidden it works both ways but i'm not finding mail mole through like i'm not like wish listing that and waiting for a good deal to happen sure, you know? sure, sure. getting deku deal alerts right exactly no i mean it, it happened to show up and i was like you know this seems cool and it also clues me into developers that i want to keep an eye out on and they actually released a game this past summer that seems like a nice, another 3D platformer that seems really cool uh, called like Koa and the Island of Mara, something like that, which is a spinoff of another indie game that happened a while ago. But it's really cool. It's like I'm getting clued in to the Spanish independent scene by playing a game like this because there's crossover stuff. There's gear. You can buy equipment from Blasphemous and wear them on this mole because they are also another Spanish independent developer. Oh wow! So the, you, you sort of get clued into the scene by engaging with these games and checking out what they're posting on Twitter, like trying to use Google Translate because guess what? They're tweeting in Spanish. So it's just kind of a fun way to keep in touch with games that I wouldn't otherwise be clued in on. It's how I gamify my hobby. It's how I hobbify my gaming. <laughs> That's great. Dude, I, this looks really cute. I just pulled it up and I'm like, oh, I would try this. 
yeah, I would say you would have a good time. Like you would butt your head up against the mechanics a little bit, but if you got into it, I mean, tell you what, you click in the left stick and the right stick, you start the level over right away. Oh, you do that do a few like times, that. and then you start getting a good run in. You're like you're hitting all those jumps just right. Mm, something about it. <laughs> Wait, Mail Mole Mystery Mansion. This is different. There's an expansion. Yes, my the physical version comes with all the expansions. It's just like I didn't love the the mansion. I I I, I kind of stopped after trying a few of those levels. Those are like quick challenges, but some of them are didn't feel exactly great. Six dollars right now on sale, Nick. I'm gonna buy this game tonight. Yeah, check it out. You've you've convinced me. It's got a nice like smooth jazz muzak kind of vibe in the hub. The the NPC characters look horrifying. Like they are truly '90s uh, 3D animation levels of like nightmare inducing. So I hope you enjoy the the weird beaver who's building the cannons up and like the turtle pirate that you have to fight. It is very much that kind of game. <laughs> okay. If I can slide cancel in a in a in a Gaming with cute animals, I'm I'm in, dude. It's it's kind of like slide canceling. I gotta I'm say, in. <laughs> it's jump canceling, and you have to like you hold the B button for longer to jump higher when you release. It's jump on release. That takes a little bit of getting used to, and you will yell at the TV when you when you think you got it, but you you're just a little bit short. You will get mad. Be prepared to be mad. I'm always mad. Platformers make you matter. Yes. <laughs> so just remember, <laughs> it's cute, but it's it's gonna make you mad. Brent, have you been playing anything lately that isn't Binding of Isaac or Warzone? Uh, yes. I oh. started Chance of Sonar. That got nominated for Games for Impact, I believe. Yeah, it did. Um, it is a it is a puzzle game. It's like a kind of an isometric um 3D puzzle game where it's inspired by the Tower of Babel. And essentially you have to learn the languages of these people to progress through. And it's like, you have to kind of connect the dots with what they're saying and interacting with the environment. And then you go into your journal and you're like, Oh, this means this. And then you'll be able to like, at first their text bubbles are just symbols and stuff. And you're like, Oh, this symbol means open. This symbol means close. This one says, hello. And then when you get that right, it, you know, it shows you what you're getting right. And then like their speech starts like completing and then you're filling in missing puzzles and it's pretty cool. You really like a mystery puzzle game. I'm finding out. It's my favorite. It's my favorite. It's missed both language. (laughs) I mean, we played Golden Idol together and it, I mean, that had us in a blender for a while. Also, you guys played Mist, but with incest. Dude, I just saw. I had to explain that game to Sarah like two nights ago because it popped up on uh, one of the guys I watch uh, on YouTube every year does thirty platinums in thirty days, and he was doing that game, and I, I was kind of half paying attention, and I hear Willem Dafoe, and I'm like, "Who's fucking your <laughs> As sister?" <one> does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and Sarah was like, "What are you talking about?" I was like, "Okay, here's the thing." <laughs> All right, it's like a time loop thing, and then you're married to your sister, and then her dad kills you. Anyway, what a game! What a f- that shit went off the rails quick. Game. So yeah, uh, Chance of Sonar looks really beautiful. I mean, it definitely, um, I get like strong Journey vibes from this. Definitely art style. Yes. Wow. Well, people wearing cloaks and it's sandy. Yeah, sandy cloaks, dude. <laughs> That's what they call me. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a cool game. Is, are you playing on PC? Yes. 
Oh, so you can stream for me while I, I play Pokemon? Absolutely. Oh my gosh, Brennan. See, I wake up and I do my chores and I work for a little bit and I run some errands and I'm like, why hasn't Brennan hit me up yet? He he just doesn't like me, I guess. He's too busy playing single player games, having alone time, you know, rejuvenating himself, not being exhausted by his friends who demand way too much emotional energy from him. And then I'm like, you know, you can just put on a game and I'll just silently play my game, but we can just like be together, you know? I'm needy, Brendan. You're like a video game cock, EJ. Wow. (laughs) I just want to watch. (laughs) I want to watch someone play my game. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Yeah, give me that platinum, Brennan. I can't can't do it. I'm not worthy. It's like, I mean, oh, the, that just grinds my gears. It's just like, I don't know how any of this works. It's like, just fucking play the game and you'll figure it out. It's like, how have you gotten through life, EJ? Wow, man. That's EJ's feelings of me, of uh, playing my Pokemon game. <laughs> just 20 years later. <laughs> Listen, meanwhile, I'm having to do the last platinum on Castle Crashers because things were moving too fast for Brennan. Because oh, it was boring. Let's not throw stones here. <laughs> That was the most engaging trophy of the whole list. That last oh. one, dude, the Hello Barbarian. Fuck that shit. That sucked. That sucked. I spent way too many hours trying to get that last trophy. Yeah, I didn't I didn't want to learn it. Didn't want to learn it. Did not seem fun. Let's get a little Call of Duty in here, Bren, before we wrap it up. <sighs> Safe to say we're back. We're back! We are so back. We, it, it feels like just yesterday we were doing our Warzone post-mortem rest in peace call of duty long live call of duty well i guess it was only three months ago i tell every week this comes up we talk about how warzone died last year and what i mean by that is warzone 2 came out and they removed rebirth and resurgence the game mode that i have a thousand wins in that we played the most in warzone 1 they took away our game mode and it was only battle royale quads and solos on the big map So when we say Warzone died, that's what we have historically referred to was last November. And we took a big break. Didn't play Call of Duty for months and months and months. You guys kind of dabbled in Warzone 2. I know you were kind of like, fuck this. Yeah. Because it was bad. And we can get into the reasons why it was bad and how they finally mitigated that over a year later. Uh, And then we did our retrospective-ish thing with Ben a few months ago. And that was after the servers were taken offline, but we had those last two months, we had started like really playing Warzone one again, getting into BR, learning the big map and really having fun with it after a much needed break. We needed that gap between rebirth Island and resurgence and the fast paced and coming back with sort of fresh eyes. Yeah. And by God, did we play a lot of BR those final two months? So much dude. I don't even know. I wish we had the stats, but yeah, Warzone Tracker is still up. You can go right now. You can find out anything you need. We had a lot of fun with it. And then uh, uh, it died in the last night. It was all chronicled. Well and good. Okay. We tried to play a little Warzone 2 on and off. We, we kind of started playing it the last few months. But like Warzone 2 had so many issues. And as much as they did to try and fix those issues over the last several months of, of, of Warzone 2.0, they did not... There were movement tweaks every other month trying to get the game to feel a little bit better, and you just couldn't do it. While Modern Warfare 3 has reviewed horrifically and is being called probably the worst Call of Duty game 
ever. The actual mechanics of the game are a massive improvement over the last couple of titles in Cold War, Vanguard, and Modern Warfare 2. And all of those mechanics, the movement, and a lot of the sort of quality of life tweaks all came to Warzone last week. And it is like a dramatically different feeling game. Yeah, it feels it feels like we're back. It feels playable. You can actually <laughs> you can Stunning. actually fucking play the game. <laughs> they tried to take this from an arcade shooter where things felt fast and flowy and quite unrealistic. You know, you're taking sniper shots to the dome and you're plating up and you're running around like Barry Allen, you know. I mean, it's completely unrealistic. And and Warzone 2 wanted to turn this into more of a battlefield, like slow, grind it out, bringing that realism to the game that Call of Duty has never been about and should never be about. Early, early on, there was a lot to complain about, right? Like the backpack system, you couldn't even plate and run. Like you had to dead stop to reload your guns. Like... You spent so much time sifting through boxes, popping, trying to figure out what you wanted to take, what ammo you wanted to take, Ugh. the lethals and and your support. And-, and you're just fumbling through menus in the backpack. And it's like the game ground to a halt and became all about camping in a room and waiting for people to come to you and killing people instead of the sort of arcadey, fast paced, you know, fly across the map, get into, fe- you know, engagements quickly fry or get fried and you know there's there's a lot that goes into that but the game very quickly when i say very quickly they instantaneously warzone 2 dropped and boom the skill gap disappeared there's suddenly there was there's no way to outplay people with your movement um the guns were impossible to control so it became a complete crapshoot. movement's back that's the biggest thing for us is movement is back dude brendan i gotta show you this video i saw joe today accidentally pull out a shotgun and then drop like 40 kills on the big map and seeing his movement, dude. They fixed the visual recoil, which was a huge part of how unplayable that that game was. Um, taking out the tuning. Oh god, the, the weapon tuning. And there's still things to complain about, but like obviously, it's Call of Duty. Dude, you remember the beginning of Warzone Two? Like, they didn't have loadouts anymore. Like the one thing that really made Call of Duty Warzone what it was. There's no loadouts. They tried to do like multiple circle thing. Like the health was too low. You couldn't run a plate. You couldn't plate cancel. So like, God forbid, again, you're in a room, you're trying to plate and someone pushes you. You're just dead. Honestly, I forgot about all that. And it's kind of wild that they even thought that was a good thing to do in the first place. Default two plate vests. You had to find vests in the world to like get to full health. Obviously with the movement, there's like the, the penalties you got for sliding or jumping or even running. Like if you had tax sprint on, the sprint to fire time was so big. I mean, you were pe- they actively penalized you for for trying to get around the map. And it, it was just such a 180 from what this game had been doing. Something underrated that we haven't mentioned over the last week of playing is do you remember how fucking slow Modern Warfare 2 weapons ADS'd? Like it was just like full one second to ADS some of the bigger guns sometimes. And now it's like we're snappy again. We're quick. Right. Oh my gosh. You know, and there were issues like like the loot being flat on the ground instead of like floating the way it used to float. Mm-hmm. They brought the color system back for guns. So instead of like trying to look at the little ticks on the bottom to see how many attachments it's on, it's just like gray through uh, orange or whatever. And like, you know, looking at it, if that is a gun worth picking up, you know, obviously the, the, the movement penalties for, you know, sprint the fires back to a good place. Like you can slide cancel now, which slide canceling. I don't think matters that much from like a 
Like they got like slide cancel doesn't reset your tax print anymore, right? Which is right. Which is fine. Like I don't think that was that big of an advantage anyway. I wish they would have kept it. But be able to like slide around corners and quickly get in and out of gunfights and and like reposition. Dude, it used to be like you turn a corner and there's two guys there. You're just dead. What are you gonna do about it? You're just dead. You can't you can't two v one them. You can't run away now. But now it's like zoop, slip right back around the corner, come back, shoot one, whoop, slide back around the corner, and it it just gives options to people who are actually decent at the game. Menus are still complicated. Some of the HUD things are still crappy. Um, they kind of fixed mantling, which is nice. You know, they fix things with like the swimming. Now you have a pistol in the water. So instead of going underwater and not be able to shoot anybody, everyone has a pistol now. So they're doing things to sort of balance the experience. Sledgehammer has taken over. Infinity Ward is hopefully going to be taken out to pasture and put out of their misery. It's been a really welcome change. And when we were playing the Modern Warfare 3 beta, we were like, oh man, if they bring this movement, dude, it's like we're finally in a good place again. Um, what do you think of the new map? It doesn't feel... I know they were trying to get back to like the Verdansky type of... Um, a lot of buildings. Buildings, yeah. A little bit more lush. But it, it, it honestly, it feels like it's more like Almazra than it was Verdansk still. Um, lots of open areas. I mean, for... You know, we haven't played any of the BR mode yet, but I, I'm not a big fan of the POIs for the resurgence mode. Um so I hope that they bring Vondel back to quads and obviously we're getting fortunes keep and resurgence or rebirth Island back. Oh, please God. Sooner than later. It'll probably be like a summer thing for rebirth. I've taken the new map. I mean, on one hand, BR maps are never really good for resurgence just because they're not built with that pace in mind. But this map is slightly smaller. Um, even though there are still some bigger open areas, there's like a lot more cover, so you can get from POI to POI a lot easier. I love buildings. That's why I love Vondel so much. Is like fighting on the rooftops is totally crazy and chaotic and infuriating, and I love it. The new map, Uzikistan, Uzurkistan, it has a lot more of those. I mean, there are buildings everywhere, and it's just rooftop city and a lot of verticality inside the buildings different levels and it's not just like all right, I'm going to go hide on the third floor it's like oh there's there's holes in the ceiling and there's gaps and you can engage from multiple levels so you don't feel like you're getting camped on so I think there's a lot to like about the new map the biggest thing even though we don't play BR it's like nice that it's kind of flat there's no gigantic hills you have in a scale up and down there's no gigantic mountains there aren't like hills around the map where people are hide, just hiding in trees camping the outskirts waiting for the end game it feels like there are enough buy stations. You remember when they did the, uh, on all Mazra, they did the resurgence mode just on that one part of the map. Mm -hmm. And there was like one buy station in that castle. And yeah. it was just a blender to be in. That's not a problem here. I've, I've come to really like the new map this week. I think overall, it's just a huge W Warzone's back. Everything that makes Warzone fun is back. Everything that makes Warzone infuriating is back. And some of it is, is different now, which is great, but I'm sure we'll get sick of it really fucking soon, man. You're going to be so over me. <laughs> Our Vegas trip next year is so getting canceled, brother. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to mention about it? I mean, I know I'm just ranting about Warzone. I'm so sick for Warzone, dude. So Warzone-pilled, yeah. <laughs> it's dumb. No, it's been fun being back and actually having something worthwhile to play, even though it is infuriating most of the time. 
Dude, it can be so infuriating. And I'm not going to name any names here. But like, I was feeling it last night, especially. Oh, I could tell. At one point, you weren't talking for an entire match, and I wasn't sure if you were on the phone or if you were just done talking. I've talked about how like I don't want to become so unfun to play with that no one wants to play with me. So sometimes I just have to shut up because I have nothing nice to say. My attitude. Here's my thing. Here's my general rule. If you're going to have a bad attitude, it's forgivable if, if you can play the game well. You can't have a bad attitude and be a complete fucking bot. And that is, again, I'm not naming any names here, but it's like you either, you got to come in. And this is what I love about Jared, who sometimes can fry and sometimes is so stoned he doesn't know what planet he's on. But he's always just fucking awesome to be around. And, and sometimes when we're like really in it, it can be like, all right, Jared, enough with the dabs. Let's lock in here. But he's just so chill and nice and funny that it's like, whatever. Like, we'll, we'll take whatever Jared we could get most of the time. And it's great, you know? But outside of that, it's like you can't come in with a piss and shit attitude and then also fucking suck because this is a competitive game. If we want to go have fun playing a game together, there's a billion other games to play. We want to have fun and also win. And last night was just I was I was we were in a blender for a little bit. We ended up ending on a we had like four wins last night. But and I even made a joke about it later after things were cooled down. I'm like, dude, if there's one or two things that I do exceptionally well is I identify what the problem is, I make a decision quickly, and I fucking do it. And my comms are on point. I am, I'm out here like, guy at 135, guy at 342, on me, pushing left. Like, I'm making call-outs. I'm like, we got to rotate early here. Let's go to this building. I'm marking things. And it's like, every time I say something, it's like, we got to go to committee and vote about this. And I push, and like, dude, you're by yourself. I'm like, dude, I am the only one communicating effectively here. And it drives me fucking crazy. It drives me insane. And then when we finally locked in and we stuck together and we communicated and th- we were like ripping off wins back to back to back. And I was like, this is what I'm talking about. Like, let's not get greedy. Let's not get caught in the weeds trying to get one or two kills. Let's fucking move, move, move. Let's move. I was just so, I, I was going nuts last night, dude. And we, we got there. We got there. I just had to cool off for a game. I didn't say Jack Diddley squat literally for an entire match. What am I doing here talking? What's the point of saying words? No one's got to listen anyway. <sighs> Sometimes I'm just astounded at the lack of game sense. And to me, that's the easy part. I can't shoot straight to save my life. I can't hit a shot. All the nuances of the game, understanding the game, that to me is what will make you good or not good at the game. And to me, I'm like, this isn't the hard part. Shooting is the hard part. This is all easy stuff. How come we can't figure this out collectively? I try to contain it. I try to, okay? Sometimes, most of the time. I've, I'm seeing you contain it right now. <laughs> well, this is, again, like you said last week, this is my fucking platform. This is where I get to get it all out, okay? This is the closet you can close and scream into. <sighs> and I am, and it's good. And you know, right after this, I'm going to go crack open a fucking bubbly, and we're going to jump right into Call of Duty. That's absolutely true. Now I'm sweating. <laughs> now I'm sweating. <laughs> you got that, need to get that fan right in front of you. Right, <laughs> it's tough, and I know you know it too, Brett. Because like something will happen, and everyone's thinking the same thing, but it, there's just this very pregnant silence. I gotta calm down. It's just a video game. It's just a dumb fucking shooter. Who fucking cares? But I get so crazy about. It. I'm like, <laughs> again, there's so many games we can play to have fun where it, no one's frustrated. This is competitive. We want to win. Let's lock it in. Have you ever considered playing uh, Daisy? A, I have not been invited by any of my quote-unquote friends to even play Daisy. And B, no, 
I wouldn't. But I might try to get them to buy the day before, uh, which looks like a much more competent experience to me anyway. Uh, so... <laughs> How about you, Brennan? Are you on the day Z train? Are you oh, no. No, no, day no, no, no. Day A to Z? <laughs> no, I don't do those like survival sims. I've tried. No no Valheim for you a few years back then? Nope. Dude, we have some friends who tried to get into the Valheim thing, and there was another survival game that they tried to get into. And I Oh, there's been one every six months, man. Well, I know, but there's specifically you know that I bought and played and then returned on Steam because it was like, this is not fun. I understand the appeal... Yeah, you just want to have a dick around game to hang out in. For some people, it's Risk of Rain. For others, it's Daisy. You know, no accounting for taste. Well, it's the same reason why I don't want to play uh, Minecraft. I know there's like creative mode and stuff now or whatever, but like the idea that I can go away for two weeks and come back and have all of my progress upended is actual actually a nightmare to me. And I, I cannot believe that people like that. Like they need that carrot, that threat, to keep them engaged with the game, it tells me that you're either a sicko or this is a bad game. I don't know. It's just not, it's just totally not appealing to me. I get it. If a game's not stressful, is it possible to rise up and be like truly fun? Like you're stressed out as fuck playing Warzone with the boys, but that's yeah. like part of the reason why <laughs> winning feels so good. Yeah. So I get it from that aspect, but also if it's like a chill game where you're just trying to like herd some cows and, you know, build your house, then sure, you don't want it to blow up. But then that just turns into like the the aspect of hey this is a shared server and I can be cool and like try to be friends with all the people I'm playing with or I can be a conniving little piece of shit. So it's all dependent on like what you want. Well, that's true. And at the end of the day, we're all thirty year old men just trying to escape the doldrums of reality through ever fleeting moments in this weird shared server. You know, it's like all right, what is life but a shared server, man? <laughs> Amen, brother. So. <laughs> So I, you know, I try to, I try to keep that in mind. I try to keep that in mind, and that's why it's like it would be nice. This is why. This is why you're gonna start playing the Fortnite Lego thing, right? It looks really cool. People are building like Tears of the Kingdom spacecraft and shit, and it's like it's like Spar- it's like Stardew Valley mixed with Minecraft, mixed with Breath of the Wild. <laughs> it, it really does look cool, and 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 I I lamented, I don't know if it was last week or during the Game Awards, but. Like it's it's a bummer that Lego has not been able to sort of make a competent Lego game. And I know they have the the 3D action platformers, but like right, th- those aren't Lego games. Those are games where everybody's a Lego, and it, you know, yeah, like the Island Racer that was like pretty Legoy in the way you could design your vehicle. People really liked that game for back in the day. It's just that Minecraft took took that idea and was so massive, the biggest game ever. Like Lego was just sort of de-incentivized from doing the obvious thing. Also, Lego makes a shit ton of money doing it in real life, so why make a video game that could possibly compete with that? Seems kind of... Sure. Like, what's the crossover there? Are they expanding their audience or are they cannibalizing their own sales by making it available in their own video game? Well, they're getting to a point where Legos are not falling out of fashion, but are becoming more and more aimed at like boutique audiences and the prices have been going up and up and up and have become goddamn astronomical. It, it doesn't have the staying power with the youth because of video games that it did when we were kids. Right. And so at some point it's just going to collapse in on itself because you can only charge dorks like me so much for a collector set. And that's only going to generate so much revenue before it's like, all right, this model has to change. I wonder if there's like a really popular book that all these executives at like Wizards of the Coast and at Lego are reading that's just proving 
why that's like the reason why they're all just like yeah we'll just like increase our prices until no one buys it anymore and then we jump ship and sail off into the sunset it all comes down to like the short-sighted it is not about what happens in five years what happens in 10 years it's about how is our profit going to increase next quarter or the quarter after that and you can chase that but as we've seen over and over that is not conducive to long-term growth necessarily uh anyway well this has been the listen to ej rant cast (laughs) <laughs> Thanks, fellas. <laughs> That's what we're here for, right, Brennan? Chris isn't here to to, to wax poetic, <laughs> and uh, yeah, usually it'll be like you screaming about something, then he'll start screaming about something, and then you guys can kind of like feed off each other. But Brennan and I are too low energy, and you kind of just like fizzle out at the end. <laughs> Podcasts like this, I have to. There's way more editing work for me, a, and then b. When I fall asleep to it at night, I have to listen to myself talk instead of my friends, and that's way less fun. <laughs> well, you can listen to this one and be like, yeah, you know, I was totally right about Warzone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I for sure will be, dude. going to be a picture of me sent to Brendan in the middle of the night with an AR-15, my dick out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, oh, uh, man. All righty. Let's put the Console Shape Podcast. I got some freaking Warzone to play, goddammit. Slide counseling I got to do, goddammit. There's some leans. Is there leaning in Warzone? Uh, no. There's no leans. Mid-game. You can't go like this. You can go tax stance? Yeah, but not around a corner. You don't need to fucking lean around a corner like a goddamn pussy. Slide <laughs> cancel around and challenge aggressively. <laughs> you can do that now. Challenge aggressively. We're going in guns blazing, dicks out. We're going to show these schmucks what it's like, dude. You know what I realized last night, Brennan? Everybody has their fucking comms open because all the settings of the game reset, so nobody has gone through and changed their shit back. That's funny. Everyone has comms open. What is that? It's fucking great for us, but it drives me nuts. It drives me insane. You can't be so bad at this game that your comms are this open. What are you doing? Also, when was the last time you heard footsteps, EJ? I saw your tweet. Okay. I can't believe we didn't even mention this because the, the update's been such a W overall. But there are some things that are really bad. Brennan, have you heard a footstep in the last week? Uh, I've heard probably more than the other guys, yes. But not it's it's sometimes it's very hard. You know what else is very hard? <laughs> I'll let you know off stream. Okay. <laughs> Content Crusade Podcast. Sorry for reminding you back up, EJ. <laughs> That's just what I do. It's all I'm good for. To remind you of tweets that you made in anger. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha